thought you boys might be interested in putting on a big wrestling bout. You know, make a nice hunk of dough for yourselves. It's time to play rollerball. Santa. Yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. Morgan, you're out of here. You don't have the right temperament for the trade. You're a dead man. What am I supposed to do? There's always Barber College. Frankie! I know you're a great wrestler, but my brother, who ain't as handsome as you, is as strong as Charles Atlas. But I wrestle women who are bigger than him. So you've got fat, sloppy women. Hello and welcome to Camel Clutch Cinema, the podcast where we talk about movies that star wrestlers or have wrestling in them. I'm Guy Hutchinson. And I'm Craig Cohen. And this week we are joined by the guys from OTR to talk Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze, which features the Kevin Clash, Kevin Nash connection. That's right. (laughs) Well, you guys didn't get to hear our awesome intro, so I'll play it for you guys. Oh, oh please. Growing up normal fat podcasters. Growing up normal fat podcasters. Growing up normal fat podcasters. 100% wrestling. OCR. They're the world's craziest podcasting team. Oh, my God. Their socks really smell, plus they're green. When it's time to do a podcast, these lazy boys would rather just slack. Grown up normal fat podcasters. Grown up normal fat podcasters. They talk movies, cartoons, and wrestling. Thanks more than that. Captain Marvelous leads. Craig Cohen does movies. Not like that, Jack. Killenberg makes up the news. Guy Hutchinson pities all the fools. Pity the fools. Grown up normal fat podcasters. Grown up normal fat podcasters. Grown up normal fat podcasters. One hundred percent wrestling. OTR. Yeah. The grown up normal fat podcaster. Bravo, sir. Bravo. Yeah, I, I think we should just end the show right now. I don't I don't think we're gonna top that. All right, so everybody, thank you for joining us. <laughs> the uh the Mad Magazine satire of this uh movie, if I don't mis uh misremember, was the secret is to snooze. <laughs> I, uh, I I like this movie. Let's uh, let's go around and just find out what everybody remembers about this when they first saw this. Uh, I'll I'll say I first saw this, I believe, like four years ago when I bought the DVD set, and I had never I had seen the first one, uh, but I had very little memory of that. But I had never seen any of the others, and so I experienced this for the first time without any nostalgia. And uh, boy, it was something. Uh, Craig, um, I actually saw this for the first time in theaters back in uh, spring of 1991, coming off of the, uh, you know, the, the the first movie. And I remember my initial takeaway was what happened to Casey Jones? Uh-huh. Why did they switch April O'Neil's? Right. And where are Bebop and Rocksteady? OK. And the other thing is. Why is Splinter alive? Casey Jones kills Splinter at the end of the first yeah. movie in the most sadistic way possible. He's like, oopsie. Oh, yeah. Who did yeah. I say? Splinter? Splinter. Say, oh, my God. Wouldn't that the, be great, though? The, the if first like, of what I'm sure will be many. Splinter. 
let's just imagine this for a moment, okay? The movie goes, it goes to like the happy ending, and then Elias Cotez is is like, I think I'm gonna kill that rat. There's a rat in this movie, and he just clubs him to death, and all the kids go home crying. But no, uh, Shredder, he kills Shredder. He squashes his head in like a garbage compactor, and he's yeah, like, yeah. "Oopsie, Oop. uh, oops! I just killed a man. That ain't nothing." <laughs> Captain, yeah, so- what do you remember? Do you uh, do you remember loving this movie? Do you remember seeing it as a little boy? Yeah, so I was in the total demographic they were going for when this movie came out. So I freaking love this movie. You were a big Vanilla Ice fan. I loved at this point. I loved Vanilla Ice. I loved the turtles. I loved everything about this. And as a matter of fact, um, this was the. I loved this so much. I remember I went to what is now known as Rite Aid. Back then they were called Thrifty. Hmm. And my mom bought me the cassette tape of the Ninja Turtles Two: Secret <laughs> of the Use soundtrack. I I'm gonna say, I thought when I watched this for the first time. I thought that Vanilla Ice was supposed to be like their best friend the whole movie. And I was like, where is he? I thought he was in this whole movie. Uh, Killenberg, when did you first see this film? Um, I'm not sh- I think I saw this when I was younger, but I don't really remember anything about it. Mm-hmm. Well, let me uh, let me see here. I have the, the plot summary from Wikipedia is like a mile and a half long. Oh, well, uh, probably, probably just as long as my review of it. Well, 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 let me go with, let's see what Amazon gives us. This is the, uh, the plot description from Amazon. It says, The evil Shredder believes he's found what gives the turtles their power and proceeds to create dangerous mutants. Armed with Professor Perry's anti-mutant antidote, it's up to the crime-fighting dot, dot, dot. Click here. Okay, click there. <laughs> Turtles and a pizza delivery boy to conquer these mutants. And there it is. So, um, let's start out. It starts out with a wonderful title card in memory of Jim Henson. Yes. Um, I thought that was interesting. That kind of threw me watching it at this point because I I thought for some reason, I thought this movie was older than that. I thought that uh, Jim's death you know, I, this movie didn't strike me as a as a movie that was on like the cusp of the 1990s. There, you know that this was this to me felt like a 1980s film. Yeah, well, it takes yeah. place the day after the the first movie, ah, right? So it's okay. So so let's see if, <laughs> if we understand this. So the first movie was what two three years before. I, I believe, yeah, it, ha- it had to be right. Uh, right, they needed some time to uh, to reset and get the uh, get the, the budget. One- I believe the first one was 1990, and this one came out a year later. All right, so so wow. we're looking at all right. So, but theoretically, though, this film takes place a year before it took place. Yes. Craig knows what I'm saying here. See, so yeah. this movie takes place when you go see this movie in oh, 1991. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was filmed in 89. No, no, no. Out. But it's not just that. Look, the the one film ends right, and a yeah. year goes by for you, the viewer. You go home. You live a year of your life. But the movie takes place the next day, which means it's in the past. It's already happened when you arrive to that theater. Yeah. No one cares. Uh, they show the World <laughs> Trade Center in this film prominently. We see it right away in the beginning. 
Yeah, you see it a lot throughout the movie. We see uh, a lot of people eating pizza for some reason in the beginning. What's, <laughs> yeah, what, they, what's they, this all about? Well, it's because the turtles love pizza. <laughs> now, I believe at this point, it was pizza was more prominently featured because Pizza Hut had made a deal with the turtles. Uh, and I'm be. not sure. I believe it was. I'm not, I don't remember if it was this movie or the first one. But if you bought the cassette of the movie, it came with a coupon for a personal pan pizza. Nice. No, no, you, you're remembering that wrong. It was you'd buy the cassette, and there actually was a slice of pizza crammed inside the case with it, and it was that's correct. It was, it was cold at that point, but it was uh, still pretty good. There's a lot of preservatives in that pizza. Yeah, I heard oh. if you put the the videotape in the microwave, it smells like pizza too. <laughs> it's true. The one thing I learned from this scene was that. I don't eat pizza like anybody ate pizza in New York in 1990. Okay, so let's actually, this is a very important question. How do you eat your pizza? The, I mean, like, like, how do you hold it? Yeah. What do you put on it? How do you eat your pizza? All right, so uh, we'll go toppings and all. Uh, Craig, why don't you go first? Because I think I have the most unique answer for this. All right, perfect. Well, assuming I'm not at a place that does what I call the gimmick slices, which are like, you know, uh, the lasagna slice or the tortellini slice. Oh, this is regular triangle shape uh, or whatever topping, you know, regular pizza. Yeah, but like I've been to to pizza places where they're like spaghetti-o pie. And you're like, really? (laughs) No, I'll normally go for, you know, some uh, meat-based topping. So either sausage or pepperoni or meatball. Do you have a preference between the two? Um, I would go sausage, meatball, then pepperoni. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So, and what I normally like to do is I like to, um, first thing I do when I eat pizza is I basically peel the crust off and eat the crust, like the, the back of the pizza. Okay. And then from that point, I'll lift it up, I'll fold it, and then I'll, I'll, I'll just, you know, eat it like a regular slice So you're talking the crust that's, that, that you hold it by? Yeah, yeah. So you eat that first, the part that everybody else doesn't eat at all. Yeah, yeah, the, the part that people usually throw away. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. You, yeah. When I, you say you roll it up, do you mean you eat it like a taco? No, I like, I like fold it in half like I'm fold making a paper half. airplane. Sure. Yeah, no, I, I get that. All right, yeah. uh, uh, Killenberg, what about you? Oh, so usually I eat it like, you know, with the pointed part, like you hold the crust and eat it normally. Yeah. But sometimes I take the cheese off. And like you know the toppings and eat those separately. Yeah. See, uh, now I know a lot of people like. Also, if you're like on a low carb diet, a lot of people shave that stuff off and just eat that, and then throw away that pizza looking slice of pizza. Oh, have you ever seen those commercials where they eat the crust first? I think that's really odd. Yeah. Well, that's like that. Uh, well, that's like Craig just said that he does that. Yeah, but, but they that's... like hold it like. No, but he means like eating it while it's still attached to your pizza. Yes. No, that's like the. Yeah, they uh, that's like the uh, the cheesy bread pizza or whatever. Craig's idea, though, makes sense to me because that's usually the part you throw away because you don't want to have it because you're now done with the good part. So you're like, hey, let me get rid of this part first. You yeah, know, let me. If you're like cuckoo bananas, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, I once saw the Big Show eat pizza, and he was taking three slices and putting like one on top of the other on top of the other, and then eat, <laughs> eating them. And it was like three or four sl- bites, and then he got to the crust. It was amazing. Uh, Captain, how do you eat your pizza? I 
usually get my favorite toppings on it are extra cheese, pepperoni, and mushroom. Mm-hmm. And I always put ketchup on my pizza. Get out. No, it, always put ketchup on my pizza, and then I eat it with the regular, like the point first. Wow. Wow, always, that is. I always put ketchup, or if I'm feeling crazy, I put barbecue sauce. That sounds good. I have had pizza that comes with barbecue sauce on it, like a barbecue chicken pizza or something. Um, I uh, this is this is very interesting. Um, I have some advice that I think will change your lives forever. Although you guys all have your own very individual ways to eat your pizza, I think you may want to try try my method. Um, I one day was thinking about the human mouth and the human mouth has most of our taste buds on our tongue. And so the, the rest of our mouth, when you're little, you have more taste buds, but they tend to die over time. And so you, you, all your taste buds are located right there. And so when you eat a slice of pizza, you're putting the, uh, the bready, the, you know, the bread cooked bread part on first. And I found that the best thing to do is twist your pizza so that you can stick your pizza in your mouth upside down. And then the first thing to hit those taste buds is the cheese and the, the, the meat or whatever else you get on top of it. So I try to sort of eat my pizza upside down. Nice. Uh, my favorite topping is sausage. If it's the kind that's all crumbled up, but otherwise I go with pepperoni. So it's sausage, pepperoni, but if it's like the slices of sausage, then I'd much rather go pepperoni. So, but that crumbled oh, sausage. Pepperoni is really my favorite topping too. Slices of sausage? Yeah. Some places I've been, they'll just, it's just like a sl- sliced up sausage instead of a crumbled sausage. And I don't like that as much. I don't think I've ever Yeah, it looks seen like that. a pepperoni slice, but it's huh. sausage. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen that. Usually Maybe that's... if you order sausage, it's just, it comes in like the little meatball looking. Maybe it's underneath the ketchup you put on your pizza. Probably. Uh, it's like little balls. They look like tiny meatballs. I, I believe that right now somebody's listening. Right now somebody in Italy is listening to the show, and he's like, screw these guys. They're all nuts. <laughs> Cross the first. <laughs> ketchup upside down. And it's pronounced Mario, not Mario. I said it in a commercial. You don't pay attention. You remember those commercials? What do you Hi, want? I'm pizza? a Mario. A pizza with nothing? Remember those commercials? What a do pe- you want on your tombstone? Pepperoni oh, and oh. sausage. Yes, I remember those, you know, and like sometimes you'd get like you'd you'd see that commercial and they'd be like, "What do you want on your tombstone?" and the lady be like, "I just wanted to say I was a loving daughter." And then it's just very sad. And everybody, everybody turns the TV off and cries. My one goal—well, I don't know what do you call it—a dream or goal. I just want it on my tombstone or my obituary or somewhere for it to just say I died in poverty, whether it's real or not. Now, the reason behind this, I took a history you, of you live. No, no, no. Let, let's tell people the real reason. You live in the town of poverty, Mexico. Yes, it's, exactly. it's a beautiful town. It's got a lot of tourist attractions. People come from all around the world for it. It's just very oddly named. Yes. I used to, by the way, I used to live in, in Drink, Montana. And I remember I would always take cabs home and I'd be like, drive me to drink. And the cabbie would just pull over and tell me to get out of his cab. Uh, uh, all right. So we were talking about. Uh, indeed. Indeed. <laughs> 
Yeah, we were talking about turtles at some point, I think. Yeah, well, no, so they're all... Blockbuster gone, business, speaking of movies. Yeah, they did. They're gone. They're they're wrapping up shop. They're they're folding everything up, taking all the bases and putting them in the back of the car and driving home. You know what the last movie they rented was? Ooh, ooh, well, I wouldn't ruin it. Oh, you know, Captain? Yeah, I read the Yahoo article. Yeah, it was a store in Hawaii. And the thing I don't understand is how can... How can this guy return it? <laughs> but either way, he he uh, the the movie he rented was was kind of fitting. It was the movie uh, with Seth Rogen and Jonah Hill called "This Is the End." Ah, interesting. I um, I have nothing to add to that. Can we get back <laughs> to the movie? Yeah, back to turtles. Um, so in uh, in this, they're all eating their slices of pizza, like, and it's just odd, you know. It's like there's people like drinking wine, and then they're like, "Ah, oh, I'm eating pizza," and a guy's driving a cab, and he's like, "Mmm, having some pizza." And oh, wait, Captain, why do you want it to say you died in poverty? <laughs> so I took a history of animation class, and they told us the story about the real father of animation, Winsor because there was McKay? a guy. So, so the guy who invented, um, like, Betty the Dinosaur, whatever the hell it was called. Windsor McKay. No, he was not the father of animation. He just decided to call himself that ah. and people went along with it. But the, I forgot the name of the real father of animation. And the book we read tells us his, you know, like, his whole story. And the very last line of his story, it just said, you know, like, uh, he made whatever films, period. He died in poverty, period. <laughs> and I found that to be the most hilarious thing ever. So I just want that to be on my tombstone, whether it's true or not. Hmm. Interesting. I'm wondering who this was. Now, um, Windsor McKay, you know, he did this uh, this wonderful routine with Gertie the Dinosaur. Yeah, Gertie which the Dinosaur. I'm beyond fascinated by because Gertie the Dinosaur, essentially what he was doing was he had an animated cartoon on the wall that, that people back then, it was so long ago, that people were like, oh, my God, it's a real dinosaur, and they'd run screaming out of the theater. Um, but I wonder who this, who this other guy, guy was, but I guess... He died in poverty, so we'll never know. He's the guy who invented that um, rotoscope or whatever, that little thing that spins around and you see, like, the elephant dancing inside oh, of it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I do know this. There's one of those at uh, Disney's uh, uh, California Adventure out there. There's in the animation area. And it's a big, like, zoetrope or whatever that spins yeah. around and it, it makes uh, movement. So this is that guy. That guy. The guy that invented that is the father of animation. Mm. It's just he was actually a, a person who didn't – it's just like wrestling. He didn't have the charisma to put himself over. Yeah. No, it's like the guy that invented pizza. He died in poverty. Yeah, and these turtles claimed all the credit. He died poverty in Italy, Italy right? Um, he, died in, he, died, he died in poverty in Italy. He's like, I got no money. I can't <laughs> buy pizza. Did you know that? There was a guy that invented software that without it, no computer would exist today. Like Windows or anything Apple, he basically died on none. Oh wow! Well, I yeah, I think his name was like Steve Jobs or something. It's like I no, died. no, no, different guy. But he did die the same week though. Oh well, see, nobody cared. Nobody remembers me. <laughs> oh, why why am I still a talking? I'm a dead. 
<laughs> we're never going to get through this movie, are we? All right. But no, they're all eating nope. pizza. Now, I watched the, the trailer for this, which is on the DVD. And in the trailer, that's most of the trailer. And I wonder if that footage was, they were like, well, this will make a good trailer. A bunch of people are eating pizza for no reason. And then they're like, turtles, turtles like pizza. And they're just like, and it was like, they were just showing like one second of the movie. And then it said teenage. Another second, it was like mutant. And it was, you know, like the commercial had nothing to it other than the pizza eating people. And I think that all they did was give random people pizza because those people were not good looking enough to be actors. <laughs> so, so the turtles fight thugs so that Ernie Reyes Jr. can still deliver pizza. There's uh, the Foot Clan's out to destroy pizza, I guess, right? Are these Foot Clan soldiers or just pizza destroying soldiers? No, they're actually just they're crooks and they're just they're robbing like a mini mall or something. They're robbing like an underground mall and the pizza delivery boy just happens to run into them when he's delivering the pizzas for April. Right. So, so the, they're just like random people wearing MC Hammer pants. And then April comes in and sees all the boxes and she's like, Michelangelo, Donatello. <laughs> she's like, let me make sure everybody remembers all their names. Yeah, she like picks up a skateboard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because, you and, know, uh, she's she's picking up random stuff. She picks up, like, the skateboard, and she's like, Donatello. Like, he doesn't use a skateboard. He's, like, the computer guy. So, as a kid, that, that irked me. The, uh, well, you know what bothered me when I, I remember, as a kid, the one thing I, I knew from the cartoon was that they would always say, Michelangelo's a party dude. And I'd yeah. be like, but they're, like, all turtles that act like people. Aren't they all party dudes? It always like struck me as odd that they were going to be like, well, this one's zany. The rest of them are serious turtles that look like pizza. Not pizza. <laughs> hey, you, you look like my turtle pizza. It's delicious. I, I made it. I made it out of the shell of a turtle. I'm a crazy. We were out of dough. <laughs> oh, um, God, this show's so going down real fast. Splinter, the rat, was Craig. You pointed this out, and this is a very good, good point. You mentioned the puppeteer that did him, but I didn't think of the incredible connection this has to wrestling. Mm -hmm. uh, well, Kevin Clash, who most people know as the the voice and puppeteer for Elmo for many, many years. Right. Yeah. The, the, uh, uh, now disgraced puppeteer, but there's a wonderful documentary about him called, uh, being Elmo. But you pointed out that this has the Kevin Nash, Kevin, Kevin Clash, Clash connection. Yes. I had not thought about this, but I do know Kevin Smith, the, uh, uh, the, the oh, film director. Okay. Yeah. He he did a uh, he's the too fat to fly guy. He got a podcast yeah. because he couldn't couldn't fly, and uh, he did an episode where he was talking about Elmo, and he kept saying, you know, his puppeteer Kevin Nash, and I just kept picturing <laughs> Kevin Nash like trying to puppeteer Elmo and being like, hey, I'm Elmo, and then like tearing his like quad or something as he was <laughs> extending Elmo's arm to tickle somebody. You know what? Somebody used to create a Tumblr page that is wrestlers with Muppets. Like, I need to see, like, Sid operating the Oscar the Grouch puppet. <laughs> the, uh, the thing about this movie, 
they give Splinter some of the dumbest dialogue. Like, there's a whole scene where he's like, we should not be here. We should be down there. We got to stop living up here and start living down here. And then they're like, eight mile. They're like, they're like, but what about pizza? He's like, pizza is okay. And then they zoom in and then they cut and play wacky music. It's just horrible. It's, it's weird and strange. Um, so there's this yeah, toxic the tone. The tone of this movie is very different from the first one. Mm-hmm. The first one actually tries to take a serious tone at points. And this one, they just turned it into the cartoon. Yes. Uh, there's the toxic spill, which is the reason that they're there. And Ernie Reyes Jr. is going to get to the bottom of this uh, Foot Clan, this mysterious Foot Clan and their experimentation that they have from kidnapping some scientists uh, by infiltrating their, 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 their Foot Clan organization. We see uh, we see a lot of fighting. I noticed that very little would happen for long stretches of the movie so that ninjas could fight turtles. Well, and then if you notice, all the fighting, the weapons are never used. Oh, yeah. No, it's all just well, like backpitch. Yeah. Yeah. They, they actually never um, let them use their weapons for anything other than like, you know, like Leonardo threw his swords to the roof and then used them to hang on as he kicked somebody. The closest we got to... To violence with the weapon was when Mac- Michelangelo used two hanging sausages as nunchucks. Yeah, yeah. Why Why do we get these monster babies that are not Bebop and Rocksteady? What is the deal? Why do we have Anguirus and just like some weird monster? Okay, so... They're like, it's Beast Man from the Masters <laughs> of the Universe cartoon and Anguirus from the Godzilla universe. So the, the, plan, the plan was actually to use Bebop and Rocksteady. But when uh, Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman, the creators of the cartoon, or the turtles themselves, actually, when they saw the plans they had for them, they said, no way, we're not giving you permission to use them. So they had to make up their own new mutants, which is Tokar and Razar. I love that they would... They were like, uh, we cannot challenge the the authenticity of Bebop and Rocksteady, sir. (laughs) Bebop would never do this. Well, the I, thing I, is that, that they were dumb, but these uh, the ones in the movies were just straight-out babies. Right. You think he was like, he's like, Goo Goo Gaga? Rocksteady would never say that. This is nonsense, this script. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they were, too. Come on, at that point, you got to realize, too, that it was like at the height of Turtle yeah. Mania. No, they were sitting on a throne of money. And, yep. and they were like looking at the script, and they were like, you must come up with a new name for this Bebop and Rocksteady. Yeah, so they decided not to give them permission to use these guys, and they created their own uh, two new new mutants. And another fun fact about this, the professor, who I believe his name's like Jason Bateman or something, I don't know. He played Sark in Tron. Okay, I don't, I've never seen Tron, so I'll take your word for it. <laughs> but him, he was actually meant, at the end of the movie, he was actually going to be revealed to be one of the alien uh, races from the Turtle universe called the Neutrino. Hey, the Lutrino. <laughs> yeah, it's so right it was, near my house. There's these aliens in the cartoon called the, they're called like the Neutrinos or Neotrinos, I forget. But they're like, kind of like, like Elvis rock and roll era type aliens for some reason. He was going to be revealed to be one of them, but they changed it and they just made him a regular human because they thought that the people, the fans watching 
were gonna be confused and think he was gonna he was a part of the alien race as the Krangs. Mm. <laughs> so they didn't wanna they didn't wanna mislead people into making them think he was a Krang. So they just <laughs> made him a human. When you're making a movie for eight year olds, do you really need to worry about confusing people? <laughs> hey, they wanted their authenticity in there. For some like for years, I thought that the professor in this movie was supposed to be Baxter Stockman. For those of you who don't know, we talked about him earlier. Baxter Baxter Stockman was the scientist in the comic books who is eventually turns himself into like a brain in a robot, and in the cartoon, he was the scientist who turned himself into a fly. Ah, very nice. There was a scene in this movie where they're fighting in a junkyard. Uh, it's uh, uh, what Raphael is fighting against all the Foot Clan. And Ernie Reyes Jr. is like, can I help? And he's like, no, get out of here. And and then he grabs, Raphael grabs a, a, a tire, a car tire with one hand. And it wiggles like it's made out of like a trash bag. <laughs> and I I couldn't stop laughing. I backed it up a couple times. It was like everything about the shot. They were like, all right, so we'll have him grab a tire. And he goes to grab it. And the guy in the suit's like, uh, you know, tire's kind of heavy. You need two hands for this. Uh, I liked a lot of this fight stuff. I liked, you know, like when they walk into the trap, you know, when uh, Raph is kidnapped and they're like, oh, this looks like a trap. If it was a trap, it would catch us right here. I liked all that. I liked, you know, all of this uh, goofiness, you know, the whole the whole kidnapping gimmick I thought was fun. Um, I thought the scientist having a uh, Bart Simpson cup after he was freed. I like that part where they yeah. where they they're talking to him and he's just drinking out of a Bart Simpson glass. No, it was actually when they were creating the anti mutagen. He used the Bart Simpson glass to pour it into. Ah, you know, it would have been better if I had turned the sound on for that scene. Uh, but I had the sound off in preparation for the vanilla ice scene that was coming up next. And this movie, actually, I noticed I use a lot of phrases from this movie in my life. And it seems nobody else watched this movie, so nobody gets it. In the beginning scene where they're fighting the crooks in that mini mall, there's a scene where Donatello starts playing with one of those bop clowns. Mm-hmm. You know which ones I mean, right? The ones that look like a bowling pin and you bop yeah. them. And then, and then he pretends to be one. Yeah. So during that scene, he starts going, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I say that a lot to people and they have no idea what I mean by it. <laughs> and then another one is when they're going to save Raphael from the trap and they say, it's quiet, a little too quiet. They beat up the foot soldier and they say, that was easy, a little too easy. Then they find Raphael, and he says, it's Raph. And Michelangelo says, a little too Raph. <laughs> so I say that to people a lot of times. I always say, it's a little too Raph. And like I said, I don't think anybody has ever watched this movie. Well, what I do is whenever anybody asks me if I want any pizza, I scratch my chin and go, pizza is okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then they don't order pizza. They're like, I guess he doesn't want pizza. We'll get uh, something else that he might get more excited about. <laughs> what uh, what lines from this movie would you not use in your life? Uh, I don't know. It's actually slim pickings here. <laughs> I use I use many of these. Well, sometimes if like uh, if if it's raining, I'll just like look up and go. Splinter is on the roof. <laughs> 
And uh, and then on occasion when somebody comes in my house through the window, which doesn't happen often, but you know, like occasionally, like a, a like a like a robber might come in through the window, I'll be like, "You've been meditating for a long time." <laughs> well, I, there's another one I use when um when you, do you say out... I I made another funny. Oh, everybody says that though. The one where. When Shredder finds out that the new mutants they created are, like, stupid, right. he goes out to the junkyard and he does his best Arnold impression for some reason. And he <laughs> He's says, mad. Yeah, and he goes, babies? They are babies! <laughs> but it's for some reason, it just sounds like the most Arnold voice that person who voiced them could do. I was I was really hoping uh, when they found out that they were babies that it was just going to be like mutant babies that make their dreams come true and they'd have like a whole mutant baby section where we see them and like Shredder's like the nanny and he comes in and they're like they're playing and pretending they're in Star Wars or whatever and then he comes in. And we just see like Shredder with like like green and white socks, you know, walking in. And he's like, "What are you doing in here?" Did you ever watch the Saturday TV Funhouse cartoon? Like uh, Saturday TV Funhouse was this the the one that was like a parody that was on at nighttime? Yeah, it was because uh-huh. you, you know they used to do the shorts and on SNL. Yes, I, and they I, had their own they had their own TV show for a little bit on Comedy Central, right? And it had like puppets in it. Yeah, like a duck puppet. And... Yeah, duck and different animals. And uh, Triumph, the insult dog, would be on there sometimes. Yep. So in that, they did a parody of the Muppet Babies, but it was it was a dog. It was a, like it was like a parody of like those those cartoons where the the guardian animal has to save like the the baby from getting in danger. Oh sure. And it was a baby, a foreigner, and a stoned guy. And I think it was called something like that. So whenever, you know, like they have the baby, he it, it'd be crawling like in an airplane runway, and they would all say the same thing: the stone guy, the baby, and the foreigner would just go ah. <laughs> so at the end of the cartoon, the dog or whatever it was would take them back to their nanny, and no matter where they were, the nanny was always just two giant pairs of legs. So if <laughs> yeah. they were standing outside the airport, the airport <laughs> would look normal sized. But then two giant pairs of legs would show up, and that'd be Nanny. Right. <laughs> oh, that was a great show. Also, um, Drawn Together did a really great Muppet Babies parody. Okay, I remember that show. Yeah, they did a, a parody where all of them were babies for no explained reason whatsoever. <laughs> okay, this joke might offend some people, but I found it funny. They're introducing all the characters in the beginning as they do their intro. And one of the one of the baby characters is named Sids. Oh, that's horrible! <laughs> and right as the cartoon starts, they find them laying face down on the bed, dead. Oh, that's terrible! <laughs> oh, that. Well, then again, if you know what drawn together is, you should know what to expect. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, Vanilla Ice, Craig, tell me about this scene and and what Wait, you thought of it. So, while you guys talk about this, okay. You got, you got it. You ready? Eddie Boop was in that show too, drawn together. Well, it was like a parody of her. Yeah, they do like parodies of Popeye and Pac-Man and all sorts of different cartoons. So this is the great ninja rap 
which I'm so I'm sure sold many copies of the soundtrack of this movie. Now this song was actually a the scene in this movie was actually a great testament to the great musician that Vanilla Ice is. <laughs> he, he sees these mutants fighting in the club where he's playing, and he comes up with a with with a beat, lyrics, mm-hmm. and a dance, and a choreographed dance. Yeah, that's the most impressive part: the dance. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how they all knew to do it. And then the turtles get on stage with them, and Vanilla Ice just walks away. Now, guys, have you seen this website that is devoted to nothing but ninja rap? No, but it sounds amazing. You can guess the URL. Is it crack.com? That's the only website website I know, apparently. It is (laughs) ninjarap.com. And it looks like it was designed in 1991. (laughs) GeoCities? Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of like that. I like it, though. It's, it's got the lyrics up. to the song. Yeah. NinjaRap.com? NinjaRap.com. Nobody ever bought that domain from them, huh? I, they're waiting. They're wa- with the, I guess with the, the new movie, they're like, oh, I'm finally going to get paid. Yeah, it says Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go. It has the turtles from the movie. And it tells the most the... rocking scene in the 1991 sequel to TMNT2 is undoubtedly the cameo appearance made at the end of the film by Vanilla Ice. The turtles drop in at a nightclub where Ice just so happens to be performing live on stage. And as if by some divine turtle intervention, he begins to freestyle lyrics about the heroes in green. Immediately upon seeing their bodacious ninjutsu flow. <laughs> oh, and it says it gives us options here to uh, check out the hot new 1991 hit single that got serious turtle power. Listen to Sample and Vanilla Ice's Ninja Rap. Wait, yeah. Why did they give Vanilla Ice a director's chair with the Turtles logo and his name on it? Was he on set long enough to have to sit down? <laughs> I like that they have the instructions on how to get down like a turtle. Yeah. Yeah, it's five easy steps. Step one, get hype. Step two, get in control with the flex of the mic grip. Doesn't sound Doesn't sound logical, but okay. Step three, flow to the left and kick it. Step four, flow to the right and kick it. And then here's here's the key, the key ingredient. Step five, devastate the show. Yeah, that's kind of an open-ended step. Yeah, that's the one I always forget. <laughs> and we were talking about the, the, the song from the TMNT1, which was T-R-U-T-L-E Power, mm-hmm. which for years I thought was sung by MC Hammer. But it turns out it was just this random group called Partners in Crime. Ah, crime, crime spelled like Crime Time, K R Y M E. Right. So you know, the first movie we said that's probably what happened. They said, "Hey, these guys sound like MC Hammer. Let's just hire them." But the movie made so much money. Yeah. So they made enough money to actually hire Vanilla Ice for the second one. They didn't need no Vanilla Ice imitator. 
Yeah. Can you imagine what that would have been like, though? It would have been amazing. Well, here's my thing with Vanilla Ice, uh, and you see it in this movie. There's a lot of times, if you're doing a rap song that you've written, rehearsed, and recorded, so you've had time, the, everything should rhyme correctly, and there shouldn't be any moment where you kind of have to do an awkward pause to make something fit. Like, one sentence is much longer than the others, so you kind of do this weird, like, pause or adding a syllable to a word. I don't like that. It To me, that just reeks of, you know, this really requires no talent since we stole the music from another song, probably. Uh, it just, it seems, it seems weird to me. Yeah, but you got to remember, he had a, he was just being, um, paying attention to detail, because when he was writing this, he was thinking, uh, okay, I'm on I, the fly. I'm winging it. And there's a burping Anguirus in front of me. And yeah, I'm making this up as I go along. So awkward. If, if I don't put an awkward pause in here, people might not think it's authentic. This That's guy was right. Hey, you, you remember all the detail they put into Bebop and Rocksteady and not, not uh, confusing the kids about the Krangs? So this it's movie, true. if it had anything, it was authenticity. Uh, speaking of people that are authentically untalented, Kevin Nash shows up. <laughs> so, well, before we get to Kevin Nash, let's talk about how sure. Shredder was defeated. So Shredder shows up to the club. He takes a girl hostage and he's going to spill ooze on her. Shredder is defeated by a keytar. <laughs> the turtles jam a keytar and then a speaker explodes next to him, which sends him flying out a window to the dock. At this point, Toka and Razar have been demutated back into their regular animals. And the turtles look at them and say, oh, how cute. We could make a ton on uh, weight on uh, weight loss or something. Mm-hmm. And then they leave. They left a club full of teenagers with a live wolf <laughs> on the floor. The turtle's fine. It's slow. It could probably bite somebody's toe off. But there's a live wolf on the dance floor now. Full of what? It's a baby. <laughs> it's a grown wolf. It's not even like a little puppy. It's just a wool. Which, whatever. It's New York, so they're probably just used to all that. <laughs> so now, yeah, so Shredder gets the mutagen spilled on him, and now he turns into Kevin Nash. That's right. He's big, sexy, the giant killer. <laughs> yeah, and this is pretty much long before Nash was, was really wrestling. Oh, is that well, right? Was he? I think I mean this is before this is pre Oz in WCW. Ah, when did Oz make his debut? Because this was what ninety one. Let me find out. Yeah, I'll pull up Kevin Nash's IMDb page. I do like how he looks, though. He's really, really big, and and uh, you know the the costume. I when I'm watching that scene, I'm thinking that they should have always had him under that suit, right? Because that costume looks really cool. Yes. It's all uh, muscly, and the spikes are, like, really huge, and he actually looks threatening, as opposed to when he's just regular Shredder, and he just looks like a dude with a sweater. Yeah. So uh, it looks like his, his career in wrestling started right around the time that he did his work in The Secret of the Ooze. Huh. Well, now, this would have been... But this was 91, right? So this one... The first one came out in 90, yeah. this one in 91. So... yeah. Oz, he would have debuted as Oz in 91 in, uh, mm-hmm. in what, like May 91. So this movie yeah. came out in what, March 91? Yeah. 
So, so this was right around the time, man. Oh, and WCW dropped the ball. He didn't promote it. Oh, man. The great and powerful <laughs> Oz with Dorothy and the Cowardly Lion. Yeah, amazing. no, this was, uh, this was right around the same time. Uh, I just, I was so surprised, like, that he didn't tear his quad at any point. <laughs> <laughs> and there's, um, I don't know if you guys have ever read the Toy Fair magazine. I have not. Well, I don't know if you, well, I don't know how, how big of comic book nerds you guys are. There's a, a magazine called Wizard Magazine. Yeah. It was all about one... comic books. So yeah. they created um, another one called Toy Fair Magazine, which was, it was the same thing, but it was all about action figures and toys. I see. And they did little comic books on there. And one of them I remember was Hulk Hogan as Thunderlips and Nash as Super Shredder, the two toys standing next to each other. And Super Shredder's telling Hogan, he's like, I guess we're champions in the ring, but Jobber's on film. And Hogan's, <laughs> saying, Hogan's saying to him, speak for yourself. I wiped the ring with Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> I uh I just I just picture like Nash in uh meetings, you know, where he's sitting there, he's like, So why do I have to job? I don't uh I don't think that how about I just stick the stick the winner and then I and then I, I go to the, the and then I win. I book myself into the and how about I, I get a contract that says that I have to win? And they're just like, just shut up and just you lose to the turtles. Sorry. Yeah, he he almost no showed. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he came in with a note. You know what? I'm not medically cleared. Maybe uh, maybe Sid was supposed to wrestle and Sid was out playing softball somewhere. <laughs> so uh, so how do they defeat Super Shredder? Did anybody remember? Because I didn't so, notice. Well, they don't yeah. do anything. Shredder, yes. Super Shredder is just lumbering around destroying the dock because they're, they're underneath a, a like a dock on a beach. Or dock something. Brown? Yeah, under Doc Brown. He's like, what are you guys doing down there? Yeah, And Shredder basically does the, if I can't have you, no one will. He's basically going to take himself out and the turtles along with him. But what he doesn't realize is that the turtles are turtles and are therefore uh, amphibious. So um, going underwater won't really affect them. Yeah, because he grabs somebody by the throat. I forget if it's Donatello and he says... But he's like, you'll kill us all. And he just says, then so be it. And he just destroys everything. The entire pier falls on top of them. And the turtles, they like they like they said, we love being a turtle and jump into the water. All right. Now, just before we get letters, uh, turtles are reptiles, not amphibians. Just so that that way all the botanists and biologists in the audience don't uh, pen you know that they, make up, they make up about 40% of the OTR. Because, you know, right now they're already writing out the envelope and getting the stamp yeah. ready. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's uh, talk about wrestling at this time, at the same time as this, as this film was in theaters. It's pretty exciting. WrestleMania 7. Now, Captain, were you alive for WrestleMania 7? <laughs> I'm sure I was alive in '91. Were you Were you in Los Angeles for WrestleMania Seven? No, I didn't go to a, my first wrestling event until I was about 2021. But where were you? Where Where were you physically in 1991? Here in Los Angeles. Oh, so you were. So you were there. Did you feel the excitement? Did you say, "Please, I need to go downtown to the sports arena or the well, Coliseum," no, depending this- on which month this is? I got really scared because I heard there was bomb threats That's happening. That's right, yes. <laughs> yeah, 
yeah, the gimmick that uh, Vince McMahon passed along to the media that a lot of them bought was that he moved it from the L.A. Memorial Coliseum, a place that is just mammoth and huge beyond belief. He moved it to the sports arena, which is really small, and he was able to do this just because there were bomb threats because Sergeant Slaughter was an anti-American. But he Vince was so great that he could take that many people and put them in a much smaller building. And, <laughs> and nobody had a question about, gee, Vince, are you sure it wasn't that you were only selling enough tickets to fill a very small building and pretending that the bomb threats are why you moved it, right? Yeah, the bomb threat was real, but the bomb was going to be WrestleMania. Yeah, but this was a good WrestleMania. I really like this one. There is actually a WrestleMania joke in the movie when the Turtles are going to face... Oh, that's another line I use. When the Turtles are going to face Toka and Razar for the rematch, um, Michelangelo sees them and says, Didn't we see these guys at WrestleMania? Ah. Yes. But the line I use from them is when he says, You take the ugly one. No, you take the ugly one. I'll take the ugly one. Which one's the ugly one? Yeah, that's every date I've ever been on. That's why people don't enjoy talking to me. <laughs> so this was actually a historic WrestleMania for a lot of reasons, but the main one is probably this was the first WrestleMania that The Undertaker appeared at. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Snuka? Yeah. Yeah, poor Jimmy. Jimmy went down. I remember this match uh, because it was watching this card when that match happened it really was exciting it was like you know you had seen the undertaker he had been on tv for a little bit at this point and you kind of thought jimmy schnooker might beat him you know it wasn't a, a foregone conclusion he was going to win this match or at least at the age i was at i wasn't sure and when he dominated jimmy schnooker it really i mean it was like wow this guy is something i mean this this dude is impressive yeah, I mean, to compare it, it kind of would be as if, like, Bray Wyatt took on, I don't know, like, some, like The Miz or something. And you, you'd figure, like, oh, Bray Wyatt's this new guy. He, you know, he's not going to do anything. And the Miz, he, he main event at WrestleMania. He's a champion. He's going to destroy this guy. Yeah, but I and think... Bray I... just dominates him. Uh, yeah, but I think right now, I think that I, I'm trying to think who would be a better comparison to Jimmy Schnuka, though, because Jimmy Schnuka, yeah, because Jimmy Schnuka, the thing about Jimmy Schnuka was uh, the Miz was a bad guy when he main evented WrestleMania. Jimmy Schnuka was one of the most beloved characters in wrestling. So it yeah. wasn't just like here was a guy that was he was Better slightly be. past his prime. But this was I mean, this was like, who, who are you going to say? I'm going to uh, Chris Jericho. Yes. All right. Yeah, that that would be like, a a very good comparison. A guy like Chris Jericho, you know, and and Bray Wyatt takes him out in a in a matter of minutes and easily, handily just defeats him, does a clinic on him. Yeah, like mm -hmm. Jericho or Christian or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Christian also would work. Yeah, it was something like that where it was I mean, it was a guy that everybody loved that, you know, he was past his prime, but you kinda didn't think that he would job out and he just jobbed out in this match. Uh you know what kicked off WrestleMania though? A dark match between Coco Beware and the Brooklyn Brawler. <laughs> Now, uh, uh, now, since before we go away from the Undertaker, oh sure, I, have, I don't know if you guys play video games at all. Sure, yeah. Have you played the new uh, WWE game? I no. have not played the newest one. 
So in the new one, they have the 30 years of WrestleMania, which they let you relive, you know, some of the greatest WrestleMania moments. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's authentic because they have Goldberg versus uh, Brock Lesnar. <laughs> you know, you actually do more than two headlocks in it. That's right. <laughs> but they have the match of King Kong Bundy versus The Undertaker. Yes. And it's so annoying because during the commentary, they have commentary by JR and King for all the matches. So during the whole commentary, they're talking about whether King Kong Bundy's going to end the streak. It was wow. like Undertaker's fourth match or something at WrestleMania. I thought they were talking about a streak at that point. They weren't. Let me tell you this. I went back a couple of years ago and I watched every one of his matches, not on any kind of compilation disc, but I went back to the original pay-per-views that I recorded off television when they happened. Can we, and, can we take a guess when we think they started? Yeah, let's, let's do this. I think I've told Craig, but he may have forgotten. Uh, you guys go around, tell me if you can uh, try to guess when in the Undertaker's streak, they actually mentioned it at the WrestleMania on the card during the match. Uh, for me, I think the first time that they started actually mentioning a streak was when he fought Ric Flair. Ric Flair, very good, uh, very good guess. Killenberg, decade of destruction. So they were going something like, "Oh, ten years, and he's never been beaten, and I have Bell's palsy." I'm gonna guess with ten, but I'm not sure who he went against. WrestleMania 10, very good. Who was that? Uh, Jan Gonzalez was not. his 10th match, though. I mean, his 10th match was WrestleMania. 10th match? Well, uh, wasn't that against Triple H? Well, his, uh, his, I think his ninth was against Triple H, but it's a little confusing because he didn't appear in every WrestleMania. He yeah. took some yeah. off. Um, yeah, which uh, kind of cheapens the streak. I think so, too. I mean, you know, if, uh, if um, Cal Ripken didn't show up for a week, then it's his streak's over, right? I mean, yeah. you know, it's uh, it's not a streak when you uh, when you take some time off, yeah, or when I'm gonna... year. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go late and say it was WrestleMania X Seven. All right, very good. I'm Which trying to. That against... <laughs> um, that against Triple H. That's what I, I've got the uh, I've got the list there. X Seven would be seventeen. That's Undertaker against Triple H. Uh, the first one would be WrestleMania 7. So WrestleMania 7, he defeated Jimmy Schnuka. Then Jake Roberts at WrestleMania 8, which was really like Jake Roberts was laid out at the end of that. and We didn't see him again. Like he almost immediately was out of the Federation. Uh, WrestleMania 9, Giant Gonzalez. That's the DQ win that I think totally mars the streak. I mean, come on. A DQ form, over yeah. Giant Gonzalez. You know, they probably came pretty close to having Giant Gonzalez win that match. Uh, King yeah. Kong Bundy in the next one. Diesel, that's another one where Diesel was was on his way out. And so they did like, he defeated Diesel. And then there were like long shots pulling out with Diesel just lying there on the mat, you know, just looking totally defeated. Uh, Psycho Sid at WrestleMania 13. That was a total mess. Kane at WrestleMania 14. Um, is that he pooped on him? It is not at WrestleMania. It was at a different match that that happened. That was just a house show. Uh, Then WrestleMania 15 was the big boss, man. This was the hell in the cell where they hang him from the roof of the cell. Now, then we get, we skip. He he doesn't appear at WrestleMania 16. WrestleMania 17 against Triple H, and this was the uh, biker taker. That's the first one where during the match they say, you know, there's a streak. He's never been beaten at WrestleMania. 
Uh, that was the first time that they actually brought it up. And then the next one was against Ric Flair in the no disqualification match. So uh, prior to that, in the buildup to WrestleMania, it may have been mentioned, but it was not at all plugged during the match, which means it wasn't nobody was really thinking about it. It wasn't, you know, it was, you know, there was they'd never, I think, would use the word streak even in promoting it because it hadn't happened. And in that one against Triple H was just the first time they talked about it. They didn't really they didn't talk about it like it was the biggest thing about the match. Uh, you know, so it wouldn't be for a few more years after that, 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 and and it makes sense because once you start plugging that, the whole thing is, what do we do with this match? How are we going to, what are we going to do in this match in this sport that everybody knows is predetermined where now they also know who has to win. Yeah. Cause the first time I remember the streak being like advertised as the thing to beat was when he fought Batista. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the first time I remember yeah. where it was like a thing to to beat. Yep. And also, yeah. did, Ed, did he fight Edge before Batista? I think he did. Because I, think... I know Edge brought it up a lot where he said he was also undefeated. He was undefeated, yeah, which I thought was kind of neat. I thought that that was, uh, that was the, the following year, WrestleMania 24. And I thought that that was kind of cool. And, and they also I thought they should have waited a few more years and had Edge have an even longer streak to go up against him. Yeah, it could have been like a... I don't know how many what his streak was at that point, like six edges. Yeah, it was probably close to that. Yeah, it was probably something like that. I mean, you know, there's now, by the way, The Undertaker is not the only person undefeated at WrestleMania. Snooki is undefeated yes. at WrestleMania, people. <laughs> Do we count that? Isn't the Miz? Isn't the Miz undefeated? The Miz, it's 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 uh, questionable how you want to count it. He is undefeated on the main card, but in the dark match, oh, yeah. him and Tag- Morrison lost. But he also won a title in the dark match uh, of this past WrestleMania. So it's it's kind of uh, I would have to say, I guess he's undefeated at WrestleMania, but no, I don't count it. He lost. Even once if you lose dark- the uh, dark match, you're done. Yeah, because mm-hmm. yeah, I don't count it. I think it's, Snooki, on, the, it's on the DVD. I think Snooki yeah. should come back to fight Undertaker for his last match, streak versus streak. How about Mister T? Mister T also undefeated at WrestleMania. There you go. We could have that match, Mister T versus Snooki. How many times has Mister T won at WrestleMania? Uh, two matches. Oh, He's two geez. and zero at WrestleMania. <laughs> so. All right, uh, so- happening in wrestling well or- let's let me i'm gonna run through because there's some terrible matches on this card and i'm just gonna i'm just gonna shout them out you guys say if you have anything you wish to say about them earthquake took on greg the hammer valentine wow that sounds like a winner uh how about this one demolition took on uh, uh genrico tenru and katano these are two japanese wrestlers who we had never heard of in the states and they just job demolition out to them in like five minutes terrible <laughs> um i i remember that just being like really like i was like oh well who are these guys they're gonna lose and then it was over and i was like what happened uh lod also on the card that should have been the match lod versus demolition uh yeah, but they were yeah. fighting against power and glory which was a tag team i thought was really cool because uh, i liked hercules and i thought paul roma had a really cool shirt uh, but but boy, <laughs> these two, I don't even think they got in the ring. I think they got pinned coming to the ring. And then he, he opened up that restaurant, right? Uh, the Roma. <laughs> the Aroma? 
Oh, no, that's Tony Romo. Sorry. Was it? Oh, oh that, that match was under a minute, guy. Yeah. No, it was. 59 I mean, seconds. Yeah, that was one of the matches where, like, they were still, like, warming up, and LOD just, like, runs down and beats them up. Uh, uh, Virgil beat Ted DiBiase by countout. The Mountie beat Tito Santana. Uh, but there were some, there were some solid matches on the card, like the Bulldog versus the Warlord. <laughs> How about the Rockers versus the British Barbarian Bulldog. and Haku? For some reason, when you said the Bulldog, I couldn't think of which one. And I was thinking of the Dynamite Kid. No, what the heck were the ones in ECW called? The Pitbulls? Pitbulls? Pitbulls. That's what Pitbull was... number two. It was Gary Wolf. Yeah, I was thinking of the Pitbulls. I'm like, wait, no, British Bulldog. There were a lot of mismatches on this card, like Texas Tornado versus Dino Bravo. Um, Jake the Snake Roberts versus Rick Martell in a blindfold match. Oh, this God, match... that was horrible. Well, and these guys said this was the easiest match they ever wrestled because they barely touched each other. It was just a matter of, like, walk around and point. And they said they could see through the mask, so it didn't matter. And everybody's oh, really? like, oh, left, right. And they're just, like, pointing and then diving at the referee. You know, I mean, it's like it, there wasn't there was nothing that they had to do, you know, and they said it was, that like, makes, the greatest gift ever. even worse. That makes it even worse because if you see this match, it's them just like grasping at the air for like 10 minutes. Yeah. And if they could actually see, that means they did that on purpose. How about this? In the annals of history, the Hart Foundation brings the title to the ring and has to job it out to the nasty boys. Oh, <laughs> so embarrassing that they actually split up. That's right. That was, it was the their last match. I can't blame them. Uh, also on this card, fantastic match with an ending that I didn't like at the time, still don't. Uh, the Ultimate Warrior defeated Randy Savage in a career versus, I guess career. I don't remember what was on the line for Warrior. Probably his career. Uh, yeah, no, it was career versus career because I now I remember uh, Macho Man going, Ultimate Warrior, I'm going to take your career, dig it. Uh, but I never liked that at the end of the match, Ultimate Warrior put his foot on Macho Man to end his career. It just to me seemed so incredibly disrespectful. I like even when Undertaker beat Shawn Michaels in the career match, I felt like he should have hooked a leg. I just yeah. feel like if you're if you're ending a guy's career, why not hook a leg? Yeah. It's just I mean it's just it's it's just disrespectful to put a foot on somebody's chest and then walk away. And then Miss Elizabeth was in the crowd and she came to the ring and then Sensational Sherry tried to beat her up and Miss Elizabeth wearing one of Jerry Lawler's shirts fought with <laughs> Sensational <laughs> Sherry. Now, speaking of um this they finally reunited, right? Yeah, this was and then they had the match made in heaven and the match made in hell. I love watching that because they put shots of the crowd and all the women are crying. Yep. Yep. <laughs> they amazing. were back together for the first time in months. <laughs> the uh, Killenberg, you were going to say yeah, about the Ultimate say? Warrior. Oh, um, you know how we were talking about the game, um, WWE2K14? Yes. Yeah. All right. Um, Ultimate Warrior is a pre-order bonus. I don't know if you guys know that. Ooh. However... There's a match in um, 30 Years of WrestleMania where you have to play as him. And this match is there even if you don't download him. Oh. Yeah, you get to play as him in the Hogan versus Warrior match. Ah. Yeah, that was a What's disappointing you, match. Yeah. I wanted Hogan to win. But well, I got to say this. Everyone off. I didn't. 
Yeah, yeah. But I got to tell you this. Here's my thing about Ultimate Warrior. For years, I always was like, look at that nut. He's such a nut. Look what a crazy nut he is saying his name is Warrior and suing and and going, looking at his hands. And I was like, look at Hawk Hogan. Look how normal he is. He'll never have a crazy family life and be completely messed up. And and look at... Look at Ric Flair. I mean, he'll never be broke and stupid and weird and still wrestling as an old man. Ultimate Warrior is such a crazy nut. Uh, and now, I don't know, maybe it's maybe he's starting to seem more normal to me. He may, He's made it, you know, this far, too. He's alive in the year 2013. Yeah, that's true. Hawk Hogan against Sergeant Slaughter. I'll tell you, I was on the edge of my seat for this match. General Adnan in the in the corner, and also Iron Sheik pretending to be named Colonel Mustafa. Now I never read. I don't know if Sergeant Slaughter has a a book or he's done interviews or something. But to me, it just seems like this would be a part of his career. He would just regret. I don't think so. You know, he started out as a bad guy. Uh, the but Sergeant Slaughter like, gimmick. Yeah, I don't mean like the bad guy, just the whole well, Iraq thing. I'll tell you this. What I do know is he's the one, he claims to be the one who came up with this idea, you know, that he was uh, he was selling, he sold Vince on the idea that he could come back as a bad guy and fight against Hogan and turn on his country. And then he could cry and say, I want my country back. And then he started giving the noogie as a finisher. That's right. That he really did do the noogie as a finisher. For anybody that uh, doesn't believe that, just go look it up. You can see that was his WrestleFest, I think he does it. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, he puts the noogie up, holds on tight. Noogie's the heck out of your head. So, uh, so this brings us back to Turtles and the all-important question. Do you tap out to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2? The secret is to use Captain Marvelous. Um, you know what? No, I don't tap out because I have fun watching this movie every time I see it. It's not something I would recommend for everybody, but I I have fun watching it, and I think it's a fun movie to watch. So no, I don't tap out. Killenberg. Well, I think I I don't think I would tap out to, but you know, I think it would, it still has the lock in though, especially with Kevin Nash being in it. Yes. So 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 no tap. Craig Cohen. I got to say, uh, pretty much uh, doubling what Captain Marvelous said, it's just too fun of a movie. Um, I am pretty disappointed that Casey Jones doesn't pop up. Um, but it's just a harmless movie. It's under an hour and a half, and you get the ninja rap. No tap. All right. Now, this is a pretty dopey film. Uh, I will say this. I bought all of these films because they were on sale a number of years ago. And since then, I've seen them even cheaper. I think you can get like the whole set of all the films in like a small little DVD case for like $4. But (laughs) I I picked them up and I was like, you know what? I haven't seen most of these. Uh, And everybody was like, oh, that third one. Ooh, that's that's terrible. And, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the second one's, you know, okay. And the first one's good and whatever. And I watched them and they're all stupid, but they're all great. I mean, they're all awesomely dopey. I mean, they're, they're ridiculous. The whole concept is, is silly, but they're I fun to, to watch. watch the second one. I can't, I can't recommend part three to anybody. I enjoyed it. I, I just enjoyed it from the fact that somebody was like, Hey, let's make a movie where we put a bunch of guys in turtle costumes. 
It reminds me of like uh, uh, the Country Bears movie that Disney did. I mean, it's hard to get mad at a movie that got that has a guy in a suit as your main character. So no, I don't tap out to the and Teenage then, uh, Ninja Turtles. So before um, we end, because I, so we had a whole uh, turtle themed OTR, old, old Turtle R, we called it. Um, I want to mention one character we haven't spoken about in the whole episode, and that's Venus de Milo. Are you any of you familiar with Venus de Milo and now not the the statue or whoever it is? That was the girl that acted on that show. Salute your shorts on Nickelodeon. Yes. No. So there was a there was a TV show because, as I mentioned to Killenberg, one of the reasons the Ninja Turtles popularity waned other than they got too silly was that the Power Rangers uh, came along. So to compete with the Power Rangers, they came up with a live-action TV show called The Next Mutation. It is the most low-budget, horrible thing I have seen. Yes. And one of the characters introduced in that is a female ninja turtle called Venus. Uh, Venus de Milo. Mm-hmm. So she is Sounds actually... Familiar. I don't know if she's their sister or, or her origin, but she is actually a female turtle. And I believe her bandana color is like powder blue. And she makes her bandana into kind of like a like a braid type deal. There is also a crossover. And because, and because of course, she's a turtle, female turtle. She has breasts. <laughs> she has her breastplate are in the shape of like a bra type deal. Oh my god! There is a crossover uh, episode with the turtles and the uh, Power Rangers, and I think it's a Christmas episode. Are you serious? <laughs> I believe there is. Oh, the next mutation turtles. One of the set of turtles, yeah. Yeah, I have to look for that then, because we were talking about another movie called Turtles Forever, where the 1987 turtles meet the 2003 turtles. What did so what that, did they do when they met? It's this whole uh, inter like multi dimensional thing, so they team up to take down a shredder. Okay, yeah, That's, it's really fun. Yeah, no, this was a uh, this was a next mutation crossover, and uh, I think it was a Christmas episode. You know, I'm not I, I'm not I, positive, but I think it was. Uh, here we go. Okay, let's see. Power Rangers Samurai Christmas together. Uh, Power Rangers Super Samurai stuck on Christmas. I'm looking through their many Christmas episodes. Oh, so um, there was one. Well, there was more than one. Uh, this one says Merry Frickin' Christmas. I can't believe that's real. Um, maybe it was not a Christmas episode because... they uh, meant freak as in like, oh, the turtles are freaks. <laughs> yes. No, it says Frickin', not Freakin'. Oh. Um, so, no, but there was a crossover. They did, at one point, they met and uh, fell in love. Oh. Yeah, I have to, I have to look for that now. Well, that brings us to a close here on Camel Clutch Cinema. And an OTR. Thank you for joining us, Captain and Killenberg. Always glad to yeah. always glad to, to do a co-show. See, we're almost like the Power Rangers Ninja Turtle crossover here. That's exactly it. <laughs> yeah, yeah so now we have we? to do a Christmas episode. <laughs> Goodbye to you, oh. Craig. Take care, guys. And goodbye to you listening, and we'll see you next time here on Camel Clutch Cinema, OTR, whatever you're listening to. So you want to wrestle. You're too little. You got ushers bigger than you. Leave. I got to take a crap. <laughs> What's that smell? <laughs> this is John Triton.
Your it's skills so plus my skills in the ring. Tag team. It's a four-post massacre. It isn't even a pay-per-view. <laughs> I, I don't know anymore. I think that's, that was it. I think we got them all. Oh, okay. This is Body Slam. Is that a, is that a thing they say in the movie? Anybody want a peanut? Oh, no more rhymes. I mean it. Are we still recording? 